Notre Dame enters 2023 with arguably the best offensive tackle tandem in college football. But is that enough to make the unit the best in the entire country? And what about the future of the position? All that and more on this edition of Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is Locked On Irish and it is Tuesday, July 18th. And thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch a full episode on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're watching or listening, please subscribe to the show and that way you can stay up to date on every new episode in the future. My name is Tyler Wojcik and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and have been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I'm also a producer covering college football at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And in today's episode, we're going to continue with our position-by-position breakdown of each unit on the roster by focusing today on the offensive line. I've already done a version of this for every other position on the offense, so if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I'd encourage you to check them out once you're done with this one. I'll continue doing these uh, until I've hit on every single position group before the season starts here in just over a month. Um, it's right around the corner, guys, and I can't even begin to explain how excited I am for the season to start uh, and for us to get rolling here. The Irish Open preseason camp a week from tomorrow, actually, on Wednesday, July 26th. So it's coming faster than you think, and we'll have you covered here with all kinds of coverage to get you ready for camp and then opening night in Dublin uh, against the Navy Midshipmen on August 26th. But let's start by looking at Notre Dame offensive line and the question I started with at the beginning of this podcast Does Notre Dame have the best unit in the entire country? So we know about the history of the position, especially the recent history. Notre Dame has consistently had one of the best offensive lines over the past decade. Since 2014, the Irish have had 10 offensive linemen drafted into the NFL, nine of which went in the first three rounds, and that's going to continue to go up here once Alton Fisher head to the NFL. And hey, maybe even Zeke Krell gets drafted as well. You know the Notre Dame offensive line won the Joe Moore Award in 2017, given out to the best offensive line unit in the country. And then over the last decade, Notre Dame has produced eight different players on the offensive line that earned first or second team All-American honors. And they have a chance to continue that tradition in 2023. So let's look at who is on the two deep right now heading into fall camp, and then we'll see how that stacks up against the best units in the entire country. You might have heard of the left tackle. His name is Joe Alt. He's going to be a junior, and this will likely be his last season at Notre Dame because I've already seen him going in the top five overall on some of those mock drafts in 2024. He is that special of a player. He really came out of nowhere. We'll get into more of his recruiting background in segment two. But he came on. He was basically a savior for the offensive line in 2021, and then 2022 he was an All-American in just his second season as a starter at Notre Dame, and he's incredible. At one of the most important positions on the field, Notre Dame has one of the best players in the entire country. So that's that's pretty good for the Irish right there. Then we look at left guard. Uh, right now, we don't know who the starter is going to be. It's likely going to be Billy Shrout, the redshirt freshman uh, out of Wisconsin. He did pretty well in spring practice. Uh, he didn't really play much at all during his freshman season, which he was redshirted, but that happens. I always bring up the point that Quentin Nelson also redshirted his freshman season. That's not always a good indicator of how good you're going to be at the offensive line. I think Joe Alton, Blake Fisher, two guys who started as freshmen, sort of warped our minds into thinking that some of the best offensive line prospects are going to come in and play right away. That is not normally the case. Those guys are the outliers, uh, certainly not the rules. So right now, Billy Shrouth is projected to play left guard. Um, If he didn't end up starting, barring injury, I would be pretty surprised by that. He came into Notre Dame with a 
a lot of recruiting pedigree. Again, I said he, they got him from Wisconsin, and you know how many good offensive line prospects come out of that state. So there was a big win for Notre Dame on the recruiting trail, and we might see that start to pay dividends here in 2023. And then at center, you got Zeke Carell, the mainstay. He's a fifth-year senior. He's been around for a long time. Um, last season, it didn't really start off that great for him at his return to his natural position at center, which was kind of surprising because he was playing so well in camp that it forced Notre Dame to move Jarrett Patterson from his natural position at center over to left guard because they needed to get the five best offensive linemen on the field. Zeke Carell was one of those five, and we saw what happened when he tried to play left guard in 2021. It was not very good, so they moved him back to center, and at the end of last season, he came on really strong, and I have high hopes about what he could do this season at center. At right guard, another familiar face, Andrew Kristofik. He's another fifth-year senior who's actually played a little bit, uh, and I shouldn't say a little bit because he's played a decent amount. Uh, during his career at Notre Dame. He started seven games at left guard in 2021 when Notre Dame was trying to figure out any combination of five guys that would work there and save that offense. Uh, And he was pretty good during that second half. He came in in one game, uh, or excuse me, he started one game in 2022, filling in for Jarrett Patterson against Ohio State when Patterson was out with an injury. Uh, He only played 63 total snaps last season, though, and 50 of those came in that Ohio State game. I don't really know what happened with him and Harry Heastand, but Heastand was not necessarily... Let's just say he wasn't a fan of Christophe's play last season, but hey, he's gone. Joe Rudolph is in. He's the new Notre Dame offensive line coach. They are very different in terms of style, as I understand it. Joe Rudolph was really good when he was the offensive line coach at Wisconsin, so maybe this is what Christophe needed. Maybe he just needed a different face in the room, a different voice, maybe someone who's not yelling at him as much, and maybe he's going to thrive this season, but we don't really know right now. Right now, he's a projected starter at right guard, but again, that could change more on that in a bit. A right tackle, though, we know who's going to start there. That's going to be Blake Fisher, the uh, redshirt sophomore. Was at spring practice as an early enrollee and earned a starting left tackle job as a true freshman. That was not surprising in the moment, considering how good Fisher was and how much we were hearing about him when he started at Notre Dame. But still, the fact that Notre Dame was starting a true freshman left tackle and they weren't worried about the position, that tells you a lot about how good Blake Fisher uh, was then and how good he could be in the future. Now, he has since moved over to right tackle after Joe Walt came in for him during his injured season in 2021. So all, all has left tackle on lock. Blake Fisher at right tackle, that is an incredibly strong tandem. You've got Joe Walt, who was a returning All-American, and then Blake Fisher, who could definitely be an All-American this season. I've seen him listed as a potential second or third team All-American in some of those preseason watch lists, and it makes sense. Um, I think last season he had a slightly difficult or slightly more difficult time returning from that injury that we might have expected going into that season, and that's totally fine. I think what happened was he came back after missing basically his entire freshman season, and he played in that Fiesta Bowl game, played every snap, and played really well. So we're like, oh, he's just going to be fine next season. Well, that wasn't the case, but he was still really, really good. So Notre Dame enters the 2023 season with three guys that they can rely on, and rely on is probably selling it short because all and Fisher are two truly special players. And then I think what Zeke Krell brings in the center uh, is a little bit underrated just given the talent that's on the outside, but really it's just going to come down to what Notre Dame does at those guard positions. There's a combination of experience and unproven talent at both of those guard positions. So as I mentioned, Krasovich, fifth-year senior, he started some games. Billy Shrouth is a ton of talent but lacks the experience. He's like the opposite of Krasovich. And then I think with Stroud, there's definitely going to be a learning curve for him this season, but he brings a type of talent and physicality that you would want. So I think that Notre Dame is going to be willing to handle some of his lapses that are going to just happen to him because it's his first time seeing real 
college action on Saturdays. And one thing that's going to really help Shrouth is that he has the benefit of playing right next to Joe Alt and right next to Z Carell. So I think that some of the the load is going to be taken off him a little bit, and I feel very confident about what he can do this season. He's kind of like the movie Oppenheimer to me. You know it's probably going to be great. You just haven't seen it yet, and you're not really worried about it because you're just like so confident that eventually, once you see him in the field on Saturday, it's going to turn out well. Behind them, you've got guys like Rocco Spindler, Pat Coogan, and even Tosh Baker, who might play some guard this year. He's traditionally a tackle because he's like the prototypical tackle. He's like six foot eight. Uh, so him playing on the interior would be kind of interesting. I don't know how well Sam Hartman would be able to see over him, but he's a guy who's competing for playing time uh, on the two deep depth chart. I think when you look at the the first guys off the bench, Tosh Baker and Emil Wagner are going to be like the first two guys off the bench at tackle. Tosh Baker first, and then at guard. Rocco Spindler, Pat Coogan, and Michael Carmody's in there as well. As I understand it, he was hurt for most of spring practice, so I'm not really sure what the deal is there, but he's going to be in the mix as well. And then Ashton Craig, uh, who's another redshirt freshman who could work his way up there as well. So, Notre Dame, how did they compare to the rest of the country? This is going to shock you guys, but Georgia also has a really good offensive line. Um, They return all three of their interior offensive linemen, and Amarius Mims, their right tackle, is probably going to go in the first round. They did lose Broderick Jones, who just got drafted in the first round in this past year's NFL draft. But you guessed it, he'll be replaced by another former top 50 player in Ernest Green. Georgia just reloads at every single position. This should not be a surprise to you by now. Look, I hate to say it, but Michigan is really damn good on the offensive line. They've won back-to-back Joe Moore awards, and even though they have to replace both their tackles as well as their center, they sort of just reloaded, and they did it in a slightly different way than Notre Dame uh, has done traditionally. Michigan went out, and they got two potential starters in the transfer portal and a couple guys who are expected to start. Jim Nagy, who's a former scout for the New England Patriots, and now he's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He said that all five of Michigan's offensive linemen this season, plus two guys behind them, are likely going to be NFL draft picks, and they could all be invited to the Senior Bowl this year, which is pretty crazy that two guys on the bench might even get an invite. So they've got a good case as well. Texas, LSU, they were both solid last year, and both of those schools bring back all five of their starters heading into 2023, and we know how important experience is for an offensive line unit, especially as a whole. I always think back to what Liam Meikenberg said in 2020 after that Duke game where he's like, yeah, sometimes you just need the offensive line to play a few games to really come together. Like You you really learn a lot after a couple games, and you watch that Notre Dame Duke game in 2020. First of all, what a weird game that was opening season of the COVID year. But the offensive line didn't look that great. And then you fast forward to that Clemson game, and they just dominated Clemson. They had a really, really good defensive line. So it takes some time. It might not always happen right away. Uh, but I think with Texas and LSU bringing back all five of their starters, they're going to have a really good offensive line this year. And then Utah, they're sort of a dark horse in this group. Uh, might not be the first team you think of, but – Their offensive line is consistent. They're good every single year. Like Notre Dame, that's sort of what they lean on as a program, physicality, running the ball, blue collar, all that stuff. So when I look at it right now, I think Georgia is the most proven group in the country at this point. Um, They have a lot of experience, and they've done it on the big stage. They played really well against Ohio State last season. Georgia struggles in that game were more on the defensive side of the ball, not so much the offense outside of the quarterback position for for at least the first few quarters. And they – 
like I said, Georgia just recruits so well. They get five stars, and then they produce NFL draft picks. That's just what they do. But I think Notre Dame is probably right behind them. At second, maybe third behind Michigan, but I feel comfortable putting Notre Dame at two. The tackle tandem is just too good, but the question marks on the interior is why I don't have them at first and why I have them at second. Overall, Notre Dame's offensive line is going to have plenty of opportunities this season to prove themselves, though, because they're going to be going against two schools who consistently produce elite defensive lines year in and year out in Ohio State and Clemson. How they fare in those games is going to go a long way in determining, one, if Notre Dame is able to win against each of those opponents, respectively. But then, if you look at the season as a whole, if Notre Dame is able to dominate the line of scrimmage in all of these games, or even just control it, then this team is going to have a great shot at having an extremely dynamic offense, given the talent at the quarterback position, at running back, and hopefully on the outside as well. Uh, And I think the Irish will be able to lean on this group to take them where they want to go. But what about the future? All right, because Notre Dame could potentially lose three to even four starters after the season, depending on if Blake Fisher decides to go pro and if Zeke Carell and Andrew Kostovich decide to take advantage of a six-year thanks to the COVID rule or not. So should Irish fans be concerned about the offensive line after 2023? That's coming up next. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you could spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. That's personally my favorite part about using FanDuel is that as soon as you win, you can cash that out immediately. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. For the everyday listeners out there, be sure to tune in to tomorrow's episode because I'm going to have my old co-host Luke Smith back on to talk about the fan experience at Notre Dame games, and then we'll explain all the different things we think should be done to make it a better environment. So, Back to the offensive line. As we start to think about the future of this group, let's start by going back and looking at how well Notre Dame has recruited the position so we get a better sense of the depth chart as a whole. And we'll go back to 2019 because that's the last class in which Notre Dame has current players on the roster, uh, at least on the offensive line. That year, uh, Jeff Quinn was running the show for the offensive line, and the Irish signed Zeke Carell, Andrew Krasovich, and John Olmstead. Carell was the second highest rated prospect in the entire class and the number three center in the country. Krasovich was a top 100 player as well, the number 13 offensive tackle. Obviously, he has since moved inside. And then John Olmstead ended up transferring to Lafayette College. But overall, even though Notre Dame signed a pretty small class, just three guys there on the offensive line, I got to say, one is a for sure hit in Zeke Carell. And depending on what Chris Savage does this season, I think you would say two, and I think it's a likely two because what he's done is a reserve. Like, he's contributed enough in Notre Dame to make me think that it's it's a hit, but it's more of like a soft one, all right? It's like a, like a bloop single kind of, but still counts, okay? Let's go to 2020. Not as great. Um, Notre Dame signed Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody, and at the time... Uh, It looked really good for Notre Dame. Baker was a top 50 player in the country. He's the number four tackle. He comes out of Arizona, so that was a big win for Notre Dame going out west, getting him. Michael Carmody was a top 150 player as well, a number 12 tackle. But now that we have the benefit of hindsight, that's an 0 for 2 that year. And and also the fact that they only signed two tackles in that class is not great, Um, and neither one of them hit. At least up to this point. Maybe Tosh Baker can surprise us this year. I don't have high hopes for Michael Carmody. But hey, credit to Tosh Baker for sticking around. He must really like Notre Dame because he's been consistently jumped over uh, by younger guys like Alt and Fisher. But now... 
maybe he could figure it out at the end of his career. Then we get to 2021, and this was a really, really good group. Blake Fisher, Rocco Spindler, Caleb Johnson, Joe Alt, and Pat Coogan. They also added Kane Madden that year in the transfer portal. Uh, more on him in a little bit. But Blake Fisher was the top-rated recruit in this class for Notre Dame, and he was a stud, man. 55-player overall. And Spindler was right behind him. He was the number 60 player overall, according to the 24-7 sports composite, and the number three interior offensive lineman. Um, if you remember his recruitment, it was a big, big win over Michigan. Uh, great for Notre Dame at the time, but frankly, it just has not panned out for Spindler as well as we would have hoped at Notre Dame. Part of that is because of the success that Fisher and Alt have had. The fact that Spindler has not lived up to those expectations and been anywhere close to Alt or Fisher, I think has hurt him uh, just because of the comparisons. But Spindler had a good spring practice. We'll see if he's able to put it together in this in this preseason camp. And then maybe he'll be able to make his way onto the field this season. And we'll start to see you know what all the hype was about when he was coming in as a high school recruit. Caleb Johnson ended up transferring. And now we have Joe Alt, who is the 400th ranked player in the 24-7 sports composite. He actually moved up a lot late. Uh, but 24-7 was actually out of something. They had him at 180 player overall, the number 20 tackle in the class. No one else was really even close when I went back and looked at it. And then you've got Pat Coogan, who wasn't really a big recruit outside the top 600 players nationally, but um, I've heard some things about him that he could be a good player. Again, not a starter this season, most likely, but a good reserve. So you look at it, you've got two huge hits in this class, one definitive miss in Caleb Johnson since he's already out the door, and then two TBD. As for Kane Madden, when he came in, there was a ton of hype around him. He started, but he just was not nearly as good. And, and it makes you think about when guys transfer from a place like Marshall, where Kane Madden was from, and how they're going to make the adjustment to the Power 5 level. I think it's a little bit different because Kane Madden played the offensive line. And there were some signs that his footwork uh, and his agility were not as good as you would have hoped for, basically, in a starting offensive lineman uh, at Notre Dame, and that showed itself certainly early on. So he was fine. He wasn't, like, terrible or anything like that, but he just wasn't as good as we were thinking he could be going into the season. Um, that same year, Notre Dame ended up losing out on Dylan Gibbons, who entered the transfer portal. He went to Florida State, and he had a really strong end to his career. At the time, I didn't really think it was a big loss, but boy, was I wrong. Um, and then when once he left, that's what led Notre Dame to get uh, Kane Madden. It just didn't really work out for him. But overall, as we talk about this recruiting class in 2021, this is a really good group. Uh, like I said, two, not just hits, two potentially all-time hits on the offensive line, especially Joe Wall, given the fact that he wasn't a very highly rated recruit uh, and just a really great group for Jeff Quinn. I know he was much blind when he was the offensive line coach at Notre Dame, but he recruited really well, especially in his last class. Now let's look at the class of 2022, and this was another pretty impressive haul that Jeff Quinn did most of the work for before uh, he was let go once Marcus Freeman became the head coach and then Tommy Reese brought in Harry Heastand. That year, they signed five offensive linemen, Emil Wagner, Billy Shrouth, Joey Tonona, Ty Chan, and Ashton Craig. Really, just a solid class. Wagner was the highest rated of the bunch. Um, he was the number 11 offensive tackle in the class, but Wagner, Shrouth, and Tonona were all top 150 prospects nationally. Ty Chan was right behind him, or behind them, rather. He was at 225. And then Ashton Craig was actually the lowest rated recruit. He was uh, just outside the top 500. But as I mentioned earlier, he's fighting for a spot on the two deep, uh, and there have been some good things said about him so far in his young career. So it's really too early to tell who is a hit and who is a miss because none of these guys uh, have had a chance to play up to this point. Obviously, Billy Shrouth is going to change that this season considering he's likely to be the starting left guard for Notre Dame. But this was a really impressive haul. And as I just said about Jeff Quinn, I know that Harry Heastand came on board for the 2022 season. 
these were Jeff Quinn's guys for the most part. I know that Billy Shroud didn't commit because of Jeff Quinn or anything like that, but he really did finish strong as a recruiter at Notre Dame, uh, and I'm really excited to see what these guys can do down the road once they're given their shot. And that leads us to 2023. Notre Dame signed another five-man haul. Charles Jagasaw, Sullivan Absher, Joe Odding, Sam Pendleton, and Christopher Turek. If you look at this group as a whole, they weren't as highly rated as the class before them or the one before that. But then again, Charles Jagasaw was the highest rated prospect in the entire class for Notre Dame, uh, just outside the top 50 overall in the 24-7 sports composite, number eight tackle. And then Absher, Odding, they were you know around 250 nationally. And then Sam Pendleton was the only early enrollee in this group. And there have been a lot of great things said about him so far during his young career at Notre Dame. And you got to think, Harry, he stand handpicked these dudes. So that has to count for something, right? One of the best offensive line coaches in all of football, not just at the college level, but at the pro level as well. But the rankings might not suggest that or might not back that up, but I still feel really good about this group. So Notre Dame is just adding numbers here. And that's sort of my big takeaway is that Notre Dame has been consistently adding uh, a lot of bodies on the offensive line over the past few years. Certainly that was not the case at the beginning of this discussion when I was looking back at 2019 and 2020. But then since 2021, Notre Dame has signed three consecutive five-man halls. This upcoming class, they're probably only going to take four, and some of these guys are going to leave and transfer. Some of these guys I already mentioned have. But I feel really good about how well Notre Dame has recruited the position in recent years. I mean, at Notre Dame, though, the position kind of recruits itself. Only a couple other schools can say that, like, hey, you're an offensive lineman. Want to come to our school where you're probably going to become an NFL draft pick if you make it on the field on Saturdays? Outside of Notre Dame, only really Alabama, Georgia now, and and Michigan can say that. So things are going really well for Notre Dame on the line. They have all-American talent, and they have recruited well enough that there's quality depth behind those guys. The only thing is we just haven't seen them in action on Saturdays just yet. Uh, right now, Notre Dame has 17 scholarship offensive linemen on the roster. There's a lot of talent in that room. And these guys really, the guys behind the, the five starters right now, they're going to be fighting for playing time in the future, even if they don't see a ton of action this season. So coming up in segment three, we'll look ahead to the future of the position and predict who might win out once these guys like Joe Walt and Blake Fisher head to the NFL. Okay, looking ahead to the future of Notre Dame's offensive line, let's start by looking at who Notre Dame is expected to bring in in the class of 2024. They currently have commitments from Peter Jones, Styles Prescott, and Anthony Knapp, and they're trying to get four in this class, and there's one spot remaining, and that spot is left for Gerby Lambert, the five-star, the offensive tackle out of Massachusetts, who is not even just one of the best offensive line prospects in the entire country. He's just one of the best prospects overall in the class of 2024. His recruitment is definitely not that of a typical five-star. It seems like Notre Dame is fighting with Harvard, to get Kirby Lambert, Ohio State is up there as well. Boston College, same deal. He's from Massachusetts, like I said. But this is a very academic-minded kid, and I think the opportunity to go to Harvard is something that he's considering. But he has said on multiple occasions recently that Notre Dame is the leader. So... Take that for what you will, but either way, Notre Dame really needs to sign Gerby Lambert because when you look at the rankings of Jones, Prescott, and Knapp, frankly, it's not that great. Now, I know some people have different thoughts in recruiting rankings, but I'm just pointing it out that Jones, Prescott, and Knapp are not uh, rated nearly as high as the guys in some of those previous classes. Peter Jones is the highest rated of the bunch, and like I said, Notre Dame is looking to get four guys in this class. If they get Gerby Lambert, I'm going to feel really, really good about this group as a whole because I just I think that highly of Gerby Lambert, and I think the other guys, um, you're probably going to get at least one hit out of those four or out of those other three, I would think, because I have confidence in Joe Rudolph, the offensive line coach, not only as a developer of talent, but also as a recruiter and evaluator as well. 
if Notre Dame does not get Kirby Lambert, it's going to be a problem. They're going to have to adjust on the fly and try to sign someone late because they really are trying to get four guys. And I mentioned the potential attrition if Joe Alt, who I'm at this point, I'm just baking it, it baking into the season that he's going to be leaving after this season because he's going to probably be an All-American again, assuming he stays healthy. And if he is, then he's going to go in the first round of the NFL draft and probably within the first 10 picks. Blake Fisher, if he if he has the year that I think he will have, he could be gone too. Zeke has the option to take a COVID year, uh, as does Andrew Kristoffers. They would both be six years. You never really know if guys want to be around in college for six years. That's just a really long time. And then Billy Strath, he's going to be there for a while. So as for next year and beyond, we'll start to see whether guys like Rocco Spinner and Pat Coogan can develop later in their careers. It hasn't really worked out for them so far early on. Again, that could change if, if one of these guys, one of the starters goes down. Spindler or Coogan have a chance to step up. Maybe they turn some heads this season on the field on Saturdays. But I think more likely situation for these two is maybe one of them becomes like a Josh Lug, who at the very end of his career sticks around for a long time and gets the benefit of starting a bunch of games at the end of his career. He might not be the Joe Walt or the Blake Fisher. But hey, if you can be a reliable starter, which Josh Lug was for most of last season, that's pretty good. It might not be what Rocco Spindler would have expected when he came to Notre Dame, but still, we'll take it. Like I said earlier, I'm really excited to see which guys from the class of 2022 step up uh, because we already discussed how much talent is in that room. Like Emil Wagner, when he committed to Notre Dame, that was a stunner. I think even the Notre Dame staff didn't expect him to commit, but then he did. He picked Notre Dame over Kentucky. Um, then you got Billy Strath, obviously, he's going to play this year. Joey Tonona, Ty Chan, Ashton Craig all top-rated recruits with the exception of Craig, and then all these guys are going to be a little bit older, a little bit more physically developed, and a little bit more technically sound, and then more likely than not next year, they're going to have a real chance to compete for playing time, and we'll start to see who amongst those groups uh, of those recruiting classes when Notre Dame was bringing a bunch of dudes, who's going to elevate their play and who's going to stand above the rest. My only real concern about the future of the offensive line has to do with the tackle position because... Like I said, I, I think there's certainly a scenario where Alt and Fisher both leave after this year, and behind them, Notre Dame does not have a ton of true tackles on the roster. Uh, Emil Wagner could be coming out of high school. You're thinking, oh, that is the perfect left tackle, right? He's big. He's super athletic, plays basketball, can move his feet exceptionally well. The only problem is he was listed as like 260 pounds coming out of high school, and based on what I saw in the spring game, he still has some weight to put on. Like, you can't be playing left tackle at the college level and be playing around like 285 pounds. It's just not It's not possible. So he has to fill out. He needs to do some more work in the weight room, which is really hard, man. If, you, if you've ever really tried to put on weight, it is not a whole lot of fun. I can't even imagine what it's like trying to put on weight when you're already too 280 pounds. They're eating a lot of food. They're taking a lot of supplements and they're trying to get there. And it's just hard, right? So even though Emil Wagner was a really highly rated recruit coming out of high school, it's going to take him a little bit longer. But I feel confident that once he's developed, physically matured, he's going to be a good left tackle at the college level. Tosh Baker, we haven't seen it up to this point, but this is where Gerby Lambert comes in again, because I think he's so good that he could be sort of at Blake Fisher's level when he entered college, and he could potentially be fighting for playing time as a true freshman. Like I said, we've seen it before. It's not unheard of, and he's just that important of a prospect for this offensive line group and really Notre Dame's class of 2024 as a whole. So another guy, Charles Jagasaw, he was the highest-rated recruit in the class of 2023, as I mentioned, but with his body type and the way he plays the game, he might actually project better on the interior. I don't know. I don't know if Notre Dame would be willing to move him uh, or willing to play him at tackle, even if they think he's better on the interior. I think that might have to do with the needs on the roster uh, and basically who's on 
who's on the two deep. It just depends on if Alton Fisher leave and things like that. So even though there's some question marks about this group, Notre Dame has recruited really well over the past few years, and I think they've recruited well enough that I'm confident that they'll have five solid starters next season no matter who leaves. It just won't be as dominant as what we've become accustomed to. Uh, but frankly, that's a problem for down the road, and I could be totally wrong. Like, did anyone anticipate when Joe Wall came to Notre Dame that he would be this good this early? No, he surprised all of us, and that could happen with any number of these guys. Hell, it could be Sam Pendleton. It could be Joe Odding. You know, we don't really know until these guys get to Notre Dame, they get to campus, and they start practicing. Uh, and, and basically, the competition is going to sort itself out, and I feel confident in Notre Dame's recruiting that no, next year, no matter what happens on the offensive line this season, that they're going to be in good hands. And I think uh, Joe Rudolph is going to be really good at developing talent. He might not be the same as Harry Heastand, and that's okay because – They've built up enough talent in the room that I feel like Notre Dame and offensive line you, they're going to be set for the future no matter who's out there. But that is going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Before you head out, I'd like to remind you to like the video below and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. We're all over social media as well. The Twitter handle is at LockdownIrish. The Instagram is at LockdownIrishPod. And my personal Twitter account is at TylerWOJCIAK. I'll see you guys tomorrow.